with the best father and son team on the internet. It's time for Homie and the Dude. What is up, everyone? This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son MMA and TTRPG podcast and the destination for the best NPCs in all the planes, the universe, the multiverse, the earth, everywhere. Um, We are super, super excited to have uh, a member of the TTRPG community, um, probably a senior member of the TTRPG community that's brought us into the fold, so to speak. So really, really grateful to have you on the show today. But this is Emil from Double DM Podcast. Emil, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. No, it's 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 actually an honor. It's an absolute <laughs> honor. It's a, you know, uh, actually you were one of the first people that when I took over the Twitter um, and we started diving into TTRPG, you were one of the first accounts that we followed um, and just been loving your stuff since like the beginning. Uh, really, really a big fan. And also as, as, a, as a novice DM of, of only having been a DM for like a year, year and a bit now, um, a lot of your stuff has helped me, has helped me grow and helped me learn and helped me progress. So it's been a, it's, it's been a pleasure um, enjoying your content from afar. Uh, how's your week been, man? Have you uh, anything wild happened in a, any sessions this week so far? Well, just yesterday I had a session. It was one of the. It's the first session of the last chapter of our five of the last chapter of our campaign of our mm-hmm. eight-year campaign. Wow! I, I, I started TTRPGs with that campaign, and we are going to finish that in two months or something. I don't know. Um, we just walked through a portal into a certain, um, basically, demi-plane of lizard folk and dinosaurs. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how TTRPGs work, right? Exactly. 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 Dude, let me ask you a quick question. So first session of the last chapter of an eight-year campaign. Yeah. So how many chapters have there been across the eight, eight years? Um, we call we are calling this chapter chapter 30. Wow. And each, <laughs> and each chapter is between one and I think up to 11 or 12 sessions. But Jesus. those sessions varied a lot in length. There were sessions that were like only four hours, especially mm. now uh, going into the last chapter of the campaign, we switched to four hours a week. But before that, we basically played once a month for. 12, 12 hours, 16 hours. Yeah. Wow. Wait, wait. So one session for 12 to 16 hours? Yeah. Obviously, there were there. Wait, 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 wait. You, you can't reply like that. You can't just be so <laughs> casual. About That's insane. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Are people like taking like naps? Is there like a nap time break? You got like a one third and then another third and like... <laughs> Well, we, we that wasn't even the uh, the biggest session we had. The biggest we had, we met up on Friday at like noon after school because this was like when we were like 16 years old or something. Yeah. Okay. And then played until midnight, went to sleep at that friend's place, slept, woke up, played again, then had then 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 uh had a barbecue for like 3 or 4 hours. <laughs> for our break and and then we started again for a few hours slept 
started again and played a few more hours in the uh, in the morning on wow. Sunday and then went home. Amazing. Wow. Important thing is never doing that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for watching this episode. We really appreciate you supporting Homie and the Dude. Please hit us with the Holy Trinity, like our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. Just search at Homie and the Dude. It all really helps. That well, breaks a you. Good, it's a good point, really, because you seem to be pretty regular in your games. There's a real commitment to mm -hmm. this current campaign. It seems like you've gone from once a month now to every week. And, you know, you talk with, with Niels about all aspects of, you know, your session zeros and all the stuff coming through. There's an aspect potentially of dm i don't know what you want to call it dm overwork or dm burnout or anything like that do you experience anything uh in that area um yeah even regularly enough i would say it's uh, especially after each session as a dm when i when i have my campaigns i feel a little burnt out i i feel stressed after running the session for like four to i don't know six seven hours maybe sometimes even Mm. You, you've there, there is a lot of social work and social um, stress that goes into running a session sometimes. And sometimes after session, I need an hour or two to cool down. Maybe have a good meal or just go go take a nap or even go mm. directly to sleep because my social batteries are low after that. And um, but then there also becomes the problem of how much prep I put into this. Um, Mm. or how much I just have to do in a session. Sometimes I have to talk a lot and that exhausts <laughs> my mouth, my facial expressions. And so, yeah, uh, it's pretty regularly that after a session, I just uh, have to cool down for an hour or something. But sometimes there are, there are periods where I'm like, I can't do TTIPGs for two weeks straight. I just can't. I, I just need to... Uh, shut my brain out for out of this creative drive sometimes and just do simple stuff for me and then mm. pick back up. I canceled sessions over this because I didn't feel good enough to run and said, hey, guys, this won't work. I, I won't be able to bring my A game or even my B game. Mm. We should reschedule this to next week or something. And my players were always supportive of that, right? They always, want, they always said, okay, yeah, no problem, man thanks for trying but we don't have you don't have to push yourself because it's supposed to be fun yeah why should i burn myself out of a fun yeah and do, do you know what? I'm, I'm right there with you when when i when i finish a session it's like a high adrenaline peak for me for like an hour maybe two after the session and i'm like riding this high and then suddenly i just crash really hard and it like the next day i'm a little bit of a vegetable as well like i find like i find myself like pottering around like coming in and doing like homie and the dude stuff and trying to like write. And I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm like my spelling as a dyslexic is already bad, but like it's even worse after doing a session, you know? And I find, yeah, that burnout is definitely a thing. Now, do you, do you find as well? Um, Cause I know you definitely, uh, do, do you play in any campaigns at the moment as well? Um, do you find you get similar burnout when you play or uh, not as much? Mm. I would say, Sometimes yes. Some, sometimes, mm. especially for example, yesterday with we, we had the session. It was supposed to be a little bit more of an introduction to this new world we are in right now, mm -hmm. to this dinosaur jungle and stuff. And 
it was a lot actually i would say it could also be that i had to work before and basically had to rush to session to get on time and but after the session i basically went home and flopped instantly in, instantly into the bed and slept for like nine hours or ten hours and yeah i was a little bit burned out after the session it it, it player burnout is a thing that also happens i think it, it just happens less because players in my opinion need to bring less to the table than a dm yeah though i wouldn't say that player burnout is anything less right burnout is burnout in my opinion as, as well yeah and you mentioned as well almost like a dm it's it's like a it's an athletic event you know you've got physiological drains you said if i'm talking too much like there's actually implications to my face to my jaw to my speak my vocals as i'm speaking for four to six to eight hours so that's that's a real thing it also and, depends how physical you are if you're a very physical dungeon master who's up on their feet you know acting things out and doing a lot of hand gestures and all this kind workout. of stuff yeah it's it ends up you sweat yeah know? it's a workout so I, I think that that leads me to just a, a a curiosity um if you are a type of dm that talks a lot then you would have more you know i guess more implications on your your vocals if you tend to want to lean into a more interactive style, um, then, you know, the players are taking a little bit of the load or a lot more of the load. Where do you sit with that? Like, if, if we had ratios, are you more of a, I'm going to lead with a lot of narrative or do you sort of add a little bit of narrative and let them kind of fill in as they go? Mm. I would say that that's probably like a 60, 40 them and 40% me. I, yeah. I, I I present a lot of, uh, for example, in one of my campaigns, I present uh, the story beats and let them figure out what that has to do. It, but why I'm saying 60-40 and not like 80-20, which probably a lot of people could say as well, is because my players specifically ask me, can you give us clearer hints or something? Or can you give us clearer what we should do? Some people don't like this. Um, okay. The noble was robbed. What do you do? They want to have some clearer hook. Like they were robbed by this dark cult. That's something you find out instantly. And that hooks them way more. And one of my players asked me, could you make it a little bit more clearer why we are chasing this, why we should go after this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. If you ask me, no problem there. And that's why I switched to that. In the beginning, that campaign was probably more 80-20 for them mm -hmm. and me. And it didn't really work. So I switched it up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now it's more, I, I present to them a compelling narrative that they can choose to follow, but I have backups prepared or I can make up backups for them easily if they want to. But also what's, what's very important is we talked about it in session zero with them. Sometimes it's totally okay for me to say no to them to, to go in that direction. When they mm -hmm. want to go somewhere, I can just say, well, guys, I have not have that not prepared. Do you really want to do this? Why do you want to do this? Sometimes it's just on a hunch. And I'm like, that hunch shouldn't even be there. So there was miscommunication. I should clear that up before you go there. Because it, like nothing uh, annoys players more than when they go somewhere and don't find anything. Mm. If, if, if the journey somewhere and the place they are in is meaningless. Yeah, I hear you. And you know, it's really interesting you say that because I know a lot of like DMs that I've seen out there, you know, spouting shit on the internet. Um, 
uh, will will very much say, you know, like you, if your players turn this way and you don't have it prepared, you've got to go full improvisation mode. You've got to like, you've got to start pulling out of your ass the most incredible story that's ever been written, you know? And I would, I, I really like, you know, that level of communication that you've put in with your, with your table um, within your session zero. And you know, it's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you something hilarious. So for, for the table that I'm currently running, um, we have, uh, it's like kind of like, I guess my like family group. So I have my, my parents, um, my girlfriend, her sister, and um, a couple of high school friends of mine. Um, and we all come around and play and it's, it's very relaxed and it's very chill and everyone's very nice with each other. But we didn't have a session zero because at the time that I started running it, no one told me that session zeros were a thing. So as a new DM, I had no clue. So we just dove into it and it meant that the time that it took them to progress with role play was a lot longer. Um, the amount of time that we got our like rhythm between DM as a player like took a lot longer. Literally the other day, um, I, I started a session for some of the people who work for, for us here at Homie and the Dude. And um, we did like a really good session zero that was like really nice in depth. And um, instantly, like we, we came away and we were like, wow, the, the level of role play for, from a bunch of new players who have never even played D&D before, the level of difference and the level of like cohesion and understanding like way that they worked with each other and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and again, also just the respect that I held as a DM and that they carried in like the etiquette around the table. It was just massively different and uh, and from the get-go. So it was uh, it's one of those things that session zeros truly, truly are like one of the you know golden rules of D and D. You cannot not have a session zero. Um, but I really like the way that you've done that. And I think, you know, like you said. Uh, that cohesion is really nice between you and your players. Uh, I wanted to ask, you've been running this for eight freaking years. That's like wild. Do you, do you find yourself, uh, you know, wondering what this could have been like as a stream? What this, what, what, where you guys might have been if you had been recording this for, for, for eight <laughs> years and, and where this plot may have taken you? Ooh. <laughs> One thing I will say is we thought a lot about maybe recording the sessions, not for the mm -hmm. internet, but for ourselves and yeah. um, just for us. There is actually, and I'm going to come out and say this, I don't, my, 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 I think a few people of my group will watch this or hear this. We have written recaps of each session and not like a few notes, but really cohesive recaps. Mm -hmm. Let's stop that session 18, 19, something like that. Yeah. That's when we kind of stopped because it took longer and longer and longer to do that. And suddenly we didn't really do it anymore because we didn't need to. And yeah, yeah um, there is so much stuff that happened in that in these sessions that, <laughs> I mean, one of the biggest re things I can think about is us standing on a bridge before a big town defending the town against an elemental water dragon that we froze that we froze in place by an ice spell and then my character riding on the dragon shooting that ice to pieces with my bow like <laughs> that moment alone <laughs> is so much there was so much build up to that as well we blew up a fucking castle before for that and <laughs> There was so much stuff that happened before that as a buildup, and um, especially with this eight-year running campaign, I don't think anyone would have 
watched that from the beginning to the end with mm -hmm. us because eight years of content is <laughs> a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was there's so much stuff in that campaign. Um, I mean, it's also the first that I started playing in. So, like, the character yeah. I'm playing, just played yesterday, is still my first character ever. Wow. And Amazing. I, I was going to ask, I was about to ask you how many player cycles you guys have gone through. Like, how many times you guys have rewritten and, like, brought in new characters because people have been dying out. But the fact you're still playing your first character must be kind of nice because everyone says that they write themselves as their first character. So I, I can imagine it's been an interesting experience to grow kind of that first character that you wrote. I mean, especially, I think I wrote, when I wrote the character, I wrote myself, yeah. kind of. And, yeah. and so th this is also not D&D. &D. It's, it's a German role-playing game. But just generally in D&D &D terms, he would be a ranger, fighter with a bow, that type of stuff. And yeah, um, little bit socially inept, you could say. Doesn't really work well in the city. Perfect in nature. Um, very protective of his friends, shy, you could say, yes. And with, with the character cycles, I don't think anyone has actually died on that campaign. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. That's amazing. You know, yeah. what's, you, know what's, you know what's interesting is I actually can picture, so like my picture is, I don't know how big your character is, but riding that elemental dragon and like shooting arrows into it until you break the ice off. That is like a, a really powerful visual image for me and i can just mm. imagine for you and the rest of your players it was like a it was a moment in your life right it was like it wasn't real but it was like something that you can recall as part of your history and this is some of the things that we all seek out in these ttrpgs is you know our lives certainly they provide highlights and lowlights and all this other stuff but we can also have some of this stuff almost backfilled additional moments of you know the hero's journey or uh, amazing successes or amazing failures and all this other stuff that can be simulated but feels fucking real like it's a you know it's like an experience you feel like the emotion is real in that moment whether it's joy or pain totally. or whatever yeah totally so um yeah I, I guess my point i don't really have a point <laughs> my point <laughs> is just that uh i really could understand why that was a really significant uh, moment for you. And I, I, I do have one thing that I wanted to circle back to. Bodhi said, you know, there's some golden rules that you cover in um, Session Zeros. And I've been coming away and slowly building my own golden rules as a player. So it'd be interesting to get what, if you have any golden rules, like your, I don't know, the things that really stick in your mind before you step up as a DM or as a player. So I'll share mine just as an, as an example. And these are ones that, that we've actually gotten from, I believe from from guests, and you don't even know what I'm going to say, but my for, first for, one. From other DMs? Yes. Literally. Yeah. From, from Mark Arcusha, Dimples and Dice, a bunch of people we've spoken yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. So the, the one for me that I have had to learn the hard way is to always find a way to say yes. And even at some point, if your character is pushing towards a no, that's fine. But if it starts impeding the game, always try to find a way to, to say yes to the, you know, to the larger story. So that's certainly a, a big one for me. Um, anything come to mind for you as far as a particular, you know, whether you want to call it a golden rule or something important that you think about? I believe that the most important thing is kind of 
adjacent or actually the same what you said find a way to buy into the game buy buy into what you want to do right yes it's totally fine if your character says no sometimes that's playing yeah. your character but if if you're just there to 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 be a little kid and and cross your arms and say no to everything no one's gonna play with you that, that's just yeah. not fun like sometimes you just have to say okay well this idea sounds stupid let's do it yeah yeah fully fully agree with that fully agree with that and you know i think um, you have any you have any that are on your mind like uh, yeah i mean i think as a dm i have different ones to as a player as a player i think my golden rule is make whoever i'm role playing with shine like really like pass them the torch in that moment so whenever i'm having like one of these big moments whether it is with the dm as well or like another player just being like you know really like serving it up for them to you know smash it out the park and in hopes that they will also be doing the same back to me and we will then get some really beautiful interplay um and then as a dm i think my big one my really really big one is slow down like i i, I have it written on like I have it written on my DM screen. I have a piece of paper written that sits like on my computer in front of me. And I have one like off to the side and all of them have like slow down and like giant writing. And it's just because I find, I'm not sure if you get this, Emil, when there's so much going on with rules and you're also focusing on wanting to make it cinematic with description and you're wanting to, you know, consider what the players are doing and think about, you know, voices or this or that music whatever's going on there's there's a hundred things for for a dungeon master to think about when it comes to dealing with stuff and making decisions as a dm i often find myself rushed because i want to give you guys the the limelight i don't want to be taking much of the limelight at all i actually want you guys to have the limelight though many people don't believe dms are like that i we actually really are most of us want you guys to be shining and us to be fucking paralleling, you know, and, 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 and struggling. But I think, yeah, when it does come down to it, it's about finding rhythms and finding beats, finding moments of breath to also consider what I'm going to do as well as also allow dynamics within the plot, within like conversation, you know, uh, Abria Iyengar is one of my favorite DMs in terms of like her pacing is freaking unbelievable. I've never seen anyone like have like a whole table of players, like waiting for like every syllable that's going to come out of yeah. her mouth even if she stops pauses and like in that moment typically in like in other games i've seen players might jump in and say things but they're sat like eyes wide waiting to hear what she's got to say and i think that kind of command as the dm and that kind of control is something that's really really beautiful and really something that i i um inspire to have at some point so i think those would be my two goals mm. um, uh, across it um, but I'm not sure if that's something that you, you, you consider on your end about slowing down, uh, if that's a problem you find you have to do. I mean, I definitely agree with you that I often feel rushed and often mm. feel that I um, have to get this quick and, and sometimes don't feel like I need to slow down, especially also when, when, when prepping my games. I, I say I only have this, these two hours to prep my game and no, I still have three days to go to my session. I can just do it later. I have the time to think about this. And mm. I think, yeah, especially letting yourself have the time, giving yourself the time to think about stuff through. That's why, for example, I don't like to do prep on the last day before the session or the day before the session, 
because I then only have the time in the session to change it. But if I um, do it um, a few days before, I can then change that again if I feel like, oh no, this idea is way better and my players are going to like it more. And like yeah. one other big golden rule when, it, when, when I'm just at prep, uh, when I'm talking about prep is do not be afraid to throw out like 95% of all your prep to do. Nice one. That is a nice one. You, 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 I believe that DMs should prep yeah. at least a little bit. That can be mental prep, like, okay, we are here at this point, like writing a recap of the last session. Okay, this is what happened. Where does this lead us? That can be mm. enough for some people. But for me, for example, that is not enough. I, I need to have like a few locations prepped. My players are probably going to go to maybe an NPC or two and just have, basically, I just need to get myself in the feeling, write some notes on some bullet points that when I read them, get that feeling back of the session and then yeah. I can run it. And I'm not afraid to then have a location prepped like a temple for my paladin. And then he doesn't mm -hmm. go there uh, with his with it, with his visit to the town. I throw that out or just keep it for later. But the time I did was not wasted, in my opinion. I I, I yeah. still immersed myself in my own setting, in my own world, in the own plot that I have, and that's good because then I thought about it, and then my brain gets into this creative drive of thinking more about different stuff. Maybe when he went to this temple, he would have met a cleric that would have told him information X and that information X could lead to something else. Now I have this lead and I don't even need a temple for that lead. I just have the lead and still can put that lead somewhere else if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the prep, the story behind that, the world is not lost. Mm. I, I fully agree with that. It's something that took me a while to learn of like, a, a couple things that like took me a while like for me now I, I prep way less than I used to like when I first started prepping I, I would write like like dialogue pieces I would write you know like heavy descriptions I would write entire buildings room by room and like items in the room and like it was way too much um and now I'm I'm kind of in a similar headspace to you I'll, I'll do my recap recap is always first then I go, cool, where do we go from here? Where are they going to visit? What? And typically I actually will write out like what encounters I think they're going to have. So I will be like, you know, if they're going to this location, you know, cool, I need to know what, what's going on in this building. Who's, who's there. So then I'm like, like you said, what NPCs are going to be there? Um, what's kind of happening? What's the vibe? And I also kind of will give myself a little note of like, what can the players find here? Like what, what are they gaining from going to this location kind of thing? And something that took me so long to learn is that if your players don't go there, you, you can still keep that and you can like either put it somewhere else in your world, or you can just keep it there for when eventually they do circle back around to doing that. But the throwing out 90, 95% of your prep is something that I think weirdly every DM learns the moment they run that first <laughs> session of lost minds and they and shit just goes out of the window they're just like oh what the just happened i don't even know everything's a shit show now and i think that's it's one of the most beautiful learning lessons is everyone's like yeah you, you know go do your prep kind of thing go do this and then eventually you're just like oh my god like i i might as well have a couple of bullet points and some like like you said some locations some npcs 
And then from there, just wing it because I'm going to have to wing it anyway. They're going to, they're going to make me wing it anyway. So I might as well just be working on that. And almost that becomes the most important skill for the DM is that ability to improvise and to, to pull out that stuff when you need to, um, on a consistent basis, more than like having amazing highs with your improv and then really bad lows. Mm. It's just about being really consistent with that improv and being able to, to, to do it frequently. Um, Something I wanted to ask, you know, you, you do a lot of, um, uh, and you have a lot of amazing theories. I love the way that you think as a dungeon master. I love the way that you kind of position your games. And we spoke a little bit on uh, the Unchapped podcast about uh, some of your combat and like how, uh, you know, you make it so that your players have to move in combat, you know, even if they're circling around threatened space, you know, like almost like dipping and ducking like you would in, in, in standard combat. Um, I know you're also a kendo practitioner, which is freaking awesome. I, I've never actually met a kendo practitioner in, in person in my life. So pleasure uh, to, 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 to meet you in person. Nice. Uh, amazing. Um, and I want to ask, how important is it for you when you are describing your combat with swords to make it, you know, act, are you doing kendo technique or are your like fighters or your, 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 characters using the kendo technique that you learn and when you do that as a dm is it important to make it as realistic as possible mm, well one of the things i learned in kendo is that most of the swords you use are not slashing weapons but mm. like um You could say bludgeoning weapons, but but obviously the blood they don't do bludgeoning damage. But yeah. when I have a candle sword, I, I I don't slash. I hit. Yeah, it's a fast hit. And yeah. the thing about that is, um, when I describe in combat, and I, I try to keep my com, especially when I have a lot of enemies. For mm -hmm. example, just a simple group of bandits that have I don't know scimitars. And then I have like eight bandits and only four players. I try to keep the bandit descriptions to a low because with eight people, I, I don't have to describe everyone, but I don't want to take up too much time of my players for my players. They should be the ones describing the cool stuff. My bandits are just there to for them to do the cool stuff. But yeah. obviously I, I will describe, uh, especially also where the bandits hit because in Kendall, there are only three zones where you can hit and that's the head. Mm -hmm the hand and the lower rib area under mm -hmm. the ribs. Uh, that's the men, that's the cote, that's the dough. And that's all you have. You basically yeah. also have um, an attack to the neck uh, or, or to the, to the, whatever this area is called. Um, Jugular like kind of, yeah, kind of area. The yeah. Most, yeah. yeah the, the throat. Exactly. But yeah. th that's very, very, uncommon actually only if yeah. you're dumb enough to put that area to to make the area free then you're actually get, getting hit there yeah and and in, for kendo it's uh why do you do these free hits well if you hit someone in if, if you because this is actual sword right it, it's supposed yeah. to have a blade you split the head that that's bad for people yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. You hit the hand. Well, the hand is off now. They can't hold their sword anymore because it's a two-handed sword. You hit them yeah. in the uh, you hit them in, uh, in the stomach. You you cleave through them. Yeah, dead. And 
thinking about what that hit is supposed to do or or what the hit the uh, the sword or whatever weapon you do does is very important in describing that for me so if they if they're going for like the shoulder area right they they, are, they they will they would try to hit and and then then you can describe can you you feel as this hit goes in and sinks your shoulder down and leaves a good cleave like two inches or yeah. two centimeters deep and they pull the sword out again and um, go back because um, that's another another area you could hit in a sword fight yeah. a joint so even if you have heavy armor here there needs to be something here that allows you to move this arm yeah and yeah in describing I think it's especially if you're having um, melee weapons describing what that hit is supposed to do why are they hitting there and and what the hit actual uh does as an impact is pretty important yeah yeah i've do you know what? i'm 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 right there with you so obviously we're, we're we're big martial arts fans and as as someone who does a martial arts you know you it's it's <laughs> it's funny when you see like i mean for example marvel movies or things like that where you know you see this ridiculous you see ridiculous fighting and you're like none of this is very accurate at all um but then you know when you're talking about what you're talking about you know i i love what you just said about you know you sink the blade into the shoulder you know it, it cuts you know a couple inches deep you know you feel that like leaking of that warm blood you know under your armor you know it, it's it's realistic it's visceral it's fucking game of thrones do you know what i mean it's not it's not marvel where the heroes like where when someone gets blown up no blood splatters it's just like bits of clothes kind of flying through the <laughs> air you know it's like this shit actually happens and, and stuff happens. And for us, especially with like martial arts and, and, and things like that in, in D and I really try and make, you know, uh, the combat as, as realistic as possible. Like if someone's going to shoot someone with, you know, a, a crossbow, you know, cool. It's going to stick in them. And then that NPC is going to turn react to you and fucking snap that arrow off and fucking be ready to like come at you, you know, like it's not, something where it's like again like i feel like that's something else as well is like getting your injuries right as well as you go through combat on on the bad guys is like making it realistic because something else is as a dm if you go cool you know you you hit and you hit his knee you slice upwards and you like cut his you know acl and he goes down on one knee kind of thing you now have to consider this guy is now okay cool probably has less movement now that he's got a fucked up leg you know you've got to consider a bunch of other factors now that you've done this and it's an accumulative thing that then you know i, I remember i uh, i ran a one session uh, a one shot for a, a group that i play in and uh, and the dm was just off for the week and i ran um this like basically dungeon with with a mind flare and by the end of it the mind flare's arm is like hanging off uh, i believe he was like down on one knee a bunch of his tentacles have been cut off and like i was like though he is still trying to swing at you from down here like he has such disadvantage. Like it's 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 like if I could double disadvantage from this position, I would. Like, but it's one of those things where yeah, it does accumulate, and it's important in my opinion to 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 really do that. But what that comes with is, like you've said, you've had experience in kendo, um, and you know, for at least for in my place when it comes to weapon fighting, I've at this point learned so much through watching Asian movies and going really into like deep culture where they are actually using uh, weapons properly as well as also then 
uh, going and learning the stuff myself outside of that. I think if you really want to enhance that stuff, you really do need to go and almost invest a bit of time in, in, in you know, considering what a move is. You know, if your player goes, I want to kick them, you go, okay, what what type of kick are you doing? Because that kind of matters. Like, yeah. it's, it's not just, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to kick them. And be like, okay, kick, roll to kick. Amazing. <laughs> it's like, cool, okay. How are you kicking them in the chest? Are you kicking them in the side of the leg? Are you kicking them in the head? Because each of those, has completely different outcomes uh, dependent on, on on whether you hit them or crit them or whatever. You know, it, it really is important to consider. I think also as a player, um, it just colors things up a little bit more. If I'm a player and I'm, whether I'm trying to describe it, and if I don't have experience in martial arts or in weaponry or whatever, then I might be limited. But if the DM can pull out some real vivid imagery of what that injury looks like it just it, it you know makes it more real and especially if you know if if someone else in your party is is deeply injured you know it it, it somehow heightens the experience heightens the urgency even more to to act and to you know to try to find the solution so yeah mm -hmm. i'm i mean we're both really really on board with not not just you know sort of combat description and, and making it as vivid as possible but just the whole role play side of things. And I think um, making that as real as possible, I was just talking to my wife this morning and um, this aspect of, you know, trying to make the people that are around you better. Um, the analogy I use, if you're a basketball player, you're not Kobe Bryant, you're Steve Nash, right? You're passing the assists. But, you know, you're still on the all-star team as an assist player. And such a specific reference. <laughs> and, um, well, and look, Emil's German. Germans love basketball as well. It's, I didn't use Dirk, but I did. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, though, that, that that interplay starts creating some of the fucking magic, right? And you can't force it. You cannot force the magic. And the magic sometimes comes back to you in a way that you weren't expecting and you reply in a way that's just created a little bit of that magic. And it is not something that can be manipulated at all. It has mm. to be, you know, passed around and enjoyed uh, amongst the team. So, um, yeah, we're big, we're big proponents about, you know, whether it's combat or realism, realism. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Realism. How does that, how about you guys in, in your, in, in that game? Or you also, you play across multiple different games and multiple mm -hmm. RPGs. I know you play like some Masquerade, some Vampire. I know you play, you know, uh, the, I'm not sure the name of this German uh, TTRPG that you're, you're playing. What, what, what's it called? It's The Dark Eye or in, in German, Das Schwarze Auge. It's the biggest German role-playing game. It's basically low fantasy D&D, &D, a little bit more. Amazing. You... Magic is a little bit less common. There are only mm -hmm. four races, human, half-elf, elf, and dwarves. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are all kinds of monsters. Dragons are... You, you also play a lot of more grounded realism type of game. Mm -hmm. you, you start off as, in D&D terms, as a level three adventurer, maybe, and yeah. end at level eight. Yeah, that, That's the end game in this game. You... you mm -hmm. Like the HP bars go from 19 to 50. Yeah. And monsters deal around 18 damage at the end of the game. Um, yeah. And sometimes people still have only 19 HP at the end uh, at, at the end level. You, HP doesn't scale with leveling up or something. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot more um it's it's a point by system, a lot more easy, and it is a little bit more realistic because it has these wonderfully simple pain modifiers. 
Oh, when you your HP bar gets basically um, split into four parts. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have an HP value. Let's say we take 40, which is simple to, to divide yeah. by four. Every 10 HP you get, you get one mod, you get one modifier, one, one pain. Mm-hmm. And we, and um, that pain basically means every check you do has a minus one to it. Oh, and okay. you roll a d20. Uh, for example, we, when we are rolling for, for, for an attack with a normal sword, you have a 15 to hit. You roll. Yeah. You get hit. You take 10 damage. Now it's a 14 to hit for you. Now yeah. and, and then uh, okay. hit again, 13, 12. And when you sink below five, when you go to five or lower HP, you just go unconscious. You're not dead, yeah. but you go unconscious. As soon as you're at zero, there's no death saving throws. Yeah. You just die uh, in the matter of combat rounds equal to your um, constitution. Wow. Yeah. I love that because you're really having to, to strategize almost to use your your actions as a resource, as a, as a limited resource, right? That is be, that is depleting itself throughout the, the course of either one. Co- so do you recharge completely um, after arrest or is it? No. It just is that. 1d6 HP. Okay. Nothing more. And when you have 50 HP, that takes a long of long time re- to recover, right? Th- yeah. That's why this game also um, encourages, especially game masters, I think, after each chapter or, or campaign book you run, to have the players just restore to full. Because just let them rest in the town for a week or something. Mm. It's easier to go into the new game with full HP, full resources, and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah... Um, and and this game also um, does basically. I this is something I have a lot of uh, hot takes or or strong opinions about. D and D combat is very bland, and you can make it very fun if you want to. Yeah. A yeah. lot of people, for example, don't want to. Like like we guys talked about, descriptions are the best way, in my opinion, to make it more fun to play combat because it's simple and it gives you enough to play with that. And then you can just put everything onto that if you want to. But yes. I hate weapons in D&D. They are all so boring. There is nothing <laughs> different between a battle axe and a longsword. Why? That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. They are virtually the same except for the price and the weight they have. Where That's is the difference between an axe and a sword? <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's something where you, yeah they they've definitely it feels like they've they've lacked out a little bit on the combat in terms of the the diversity, um, which is why uh, sneak preview we're 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 hoping to bring a, a mixed martial arts class to to D and D to allow for a more in depth. Um, you know, hand-to-hand combat system uh, for, for, for players to use. Um, but the weapon one is one we're yet to solve. I'll be honest with you. We, we've, 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 Tom and I have talked many times about like ways that we're like, ah, but maybe we could do it like, ah, no, it just doesn't fucking shit. You know, <laughs> it, it doesn't quite line up, you know. Uh, it's just one of those things that they've, they've kind of not missed a beat on, but, uh, but something that is a, a little bit of a struggle. Um, Talking about that, I mean, obviously we've got new additions and stuff coming out, you know, relatively soon. How are you feeling about, you know, the new stuff coming out in the next couple of years and, and, and like this transition that's coming into new Dungeons and Dragons and what they're hoping to do with stat blocks and all that shit? 
I didn't actually put too much thought into that as yet, but I watched the stream where they announced this, mm. and I think they said no more spell slots for creatures or step for for the NPCs and monsters. And I'm like, yes, I have to keep track of so much stuff in combat already. Why give me more the spell slots? I, I just give me a few spells this monster can use X many times a day, and that's all I, I need. I don't need to track. Certain spells are just saying this monster can use fireball two times a day. I don't have to have uh, three level three spell slots and these three spells. No, just say fireball. That's enough. That's enough to make the combat fun. Nice. Um, yeah, th that's one of the big things. And and I am actually I am very much still hoping. I know it probably won't happen because it was a design decision for Five E to make the weapons this bland and easy because the, then weapon choice doesn't really matter except for mm. flavor, which. I totally get that's okay in my opinion. That's uh, okay for D&D. &D. It fits the system. I can still complain about it. I can, I can still say I don't like this at all. <laughs> that's why I have different systems. That's why I could play Pathfinder or, for example, the Dark Eye, which has very fun weapon traits. Um, mm. they, are, they, are, they are realistic, right? When you shoot a bow in close combat, that's going to suck for you. You're not allowed to parry when the other one hits you because mm. yeah, try try to parry a sword with your bow and try using it after that. That won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> a, a spear user would never let someone that can use a dagger into their range because they're not idiot. They would easily be able to keep the user with the, with this simple knife away with their two foot with their two meter pole easily, and. That's uh, uh, that's that's what's that's what the system pays attention to. A, a user with a dagger has like a minus eight to their attack against a spear user, mm. which is virtually impossible to hit. Yeah, and the the system also makes a great deal of 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 active defense, which in D and D you only have AC. You don't have anything. Yeah. You have the saving throws for spells and effects, but you only have the AC for attacks. This system yeah. says, well, you have to dodge actively. And every mm. time you take the dodge action, your chance gets depleted. So you have a dodge modifier, I think of eight normally or something with a normal character. Every time you dodge, that gets reduced by three for that combat round. So mm, you wow. can only dodge so many times, right? If, yeah. if, if three people want to hit you, one of them is probably going to do it. Yeah. It's... Do you it's know, it, it feels it feels more grounded. It's something I personally as well. Like <laughs> we're working, we're working with um, someone called NPC Encyclopedia at the moment uh, on on creating our NPCs. And at the mm -hmm. moment, um, we're we're building a setting, hopefully to to complement all the NPCs that we're releasing as well. And um, I'm working on like this the, the like sky portion, which is like all in floating islands and shit like that. And he's working more on the the like land portion, and I'm super much like very much like you in this in this German TTRPG. And of that, I'm like, I'm very low fantasy. Like, I don't need Fey Wilds. I don't need fucking elemental planes. I don't need you know stuff like that because I, I want to run it like a political like bloodbath based in the world that I'm basically in. Basically, and and I I think that's kind of how I am. Where contrasting Tony. NPC Encyclopedia is very high fantasy. Things very much like, oh, and there's angels and demons and gods and like 
all the, and I'm like, whoa, like that's wild, you know, kind of thing. And I think finding that, uh, that, you know, like, I guess finding your niche and, and really going down that route is really important. It's really, really, really freaking important. And I think, you know, you're very clear on like, you're like weapons should be the way they should be. And like, other people are like, yo, man, I just want my barbarian to swing his sword and hit things. So, <laughs> like, I think it comes down to very much what your, like, style is and what you're looking for. And also, the beautiful thing about that is D&D, though a very expansive system and one that does have a lot of customizable options now that we have so many books and so many source books and whatnot, Things like Pathfinder, um, things like you know uh, the, this 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 German TTRPG, and there's there's a bunch of others out there. Uh, what's it called? Mutants and um, uh, what's Some it called? Uh, thank you. Um, and there's there's hundreds of TTRPGs that are actually a little bit more tailored to maybe what you want, as opposed to having to try and manipulate Dungeons and Dragons into something that it really might not be. For example, if you love roleplay more. Vampire might be way more up your kind of like street. If you are a heavy combat person, you know, you might want to find something where it is a lot more based on fighting people and, and like getting in there. And, and it may be a bit more of a crunchy combat system that allows for a lot more options um, and less when it comes to roleplay. It's about exploring and, and, and finding what is best with you. With you. And do you know what? It, it's something talking about exploring and stuff. I know that you and Niels talk a lot about this in your podcast about the exploration pillar of of dnd and you guys have talked about this a lot i actually really love um you know because up until this point i have not dealt with incumbents uh too much or um things like uh things like rationing mountains and stuff because my players have typically found themselves within cities and things like that and and, and not crossing wildernesses too much at this point uh, or or wildlands or things like that you know um I really love the method at which you go about doing it and, and, and the way that you track your stuff. And, and I want to ask you, why is that something that's so important, that exploration pillar in your game? And like, why does that lead such a big part of what you do? Um, well, first for D&D, right? It's one of the three pillars that got yeah. just decimated in 5e, in my opinion. Uh, there's yeah. n- There isn't much mechanics behind it and there isn't much anything behind it. But I think... Just doing this simple stuff, right? Tracking ammunition, tracking encumbrance, tracking rations, making sure that your players pay attention to this. That This is very important, right? It, I don't want my players to feel like, for example, when they were in the wilderness and had to survive because they didn't plan for it and, and had to find food and shelter and all of that stuff, right? That was fun. And mm-hmm. the thing is, but I don't, what I don't want to do is not make them aware that this is something they should pay attention to and then make them pay make them pay for not paying attention to it right it's something we discussed in session zero where we talked about it earlier that that's so important to to have that discussion because when i tell them hey tracking ammunition is important doing this doing this doing this they uh watch out for those things every time they're in a tavern and and look at their inventory okay do i have enough rations are we going out to are we going out tomorrow should i buy a ration that's a talk they have in in, in game Mm. it it takes like one or two minutes of for them to buy a ration and but then when they go out they have a ration and they are also very creative with what they then can do right Mm. i mean it, it starts with the very basic stuff of having a rope because let's be real 
you need a rope to you need a rope in the wilderness where when you when you when you want to run your players through a forest a mountain range make sure they have a rope because there's nothing worse than having your players sit around uh, on a mountain and say well we don't have a rope we can't get down here <laughs> like <laughs> where is that then fun for the dungeon master because your players are not going to do anything so yeah the the simple stuff making your players aware of the simple stuff have sure you make sure you have the equipment make sure you have the rations and then they will get creative with that that's what's one of the things i give them something you need to watch out for your ammunition you need to watch out for your rations they will make plans they will and and that's kind of how i put the exploration pillar back in i make it i make mm. sure that this these things matter because a lot of people say this is uh, like this little number crunching i can just put it that away yes you can but that also means that you take away the fun of surviving yeah right? there, there's a um, little anecdote there's a youtube project in germany right now from a survival youtuber that has basically mm -hmm. seven youtubers seven survival youtubers his friends going into the wilderness of sweden seven days only seven items with them complete isolation <laughs> and it's fun uh, for them right they are in they are in the wilderness they are trying to survive they are they have their tent they have their um, sleeping bag maybe their um their cooking pot right those items matter and making those mm. items matter makes then for example also the rest matter for example i have a homebrew rule that makes resting harder i, mm. I say like right we all do this okay make a survival check to find a shelter or, or to, to to find a good place to rest and then that doesn't actually matter right i i just outright tell my players if the survival check is not good enough where well, you don't have a long rest now you only get the yeah. short rest from this um and now you will have to try to either improve your resting spot through clever role play or mm. through your gear and that's why they take the good gear they take good cooking equipment with them so they don't nice. have to care about the food anymore or at least not that much mm. wow do you know and it adds <laughs> something that like dude like for first of all that like as a dm it's it's a level that i i aspire to reach with with uh, immersion for my players i'm not quite there yet which is and it, uh, one of my favorite things as a dm is being humbled actually it's something that i'm really starting to enjoy as a dm is when you 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 meet another dungeon master and they're like oh yes and i do this and you're like whoa that's <laughs> fucking cool i like that i'm i'm I, like i ooh, wow i didn't i need to step up my game a little bit i need to like evolve a little bit and i i, I think that uh, everything you just spoke about is one awesome two a great way to immerse the players in, in a way that is uh on a whole nother level and i love that you're like fuck it how am i going to re reinsert this pillar so that you know we're, we're actually supporting the structure of dnd that these pillars are standing on it's not freaking some lopsided with like combat carrying all the freaking weight and you know all that kind of stuff furthermore talking about you know like cohesion and like immersion and 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 and, and I guess just Wait, it's just one of those flawless, flawless transitions. Transitions, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I was about to say, I'm work, sensing it right now. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I, I was about to say, talking about teamwork and working well together. You and Niels, how did that? Happen? How, how did oh. you guys come together? And 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 why? Why after nearly forty episodes, do you still 
do this with Niels. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Niels is a lovely person. That's why I'm still doing it with him. Yeah, <laughs> I, nice. couldn't, I couldn't think of someone else to do it with, really. Mm. Um, no, the thing is, uh, I don't think Niels and I actually went into how we met uh, in depth. We, we said we met at a birthday from a friend, right? We, we didn't yeah. go to the same school, but I did go to the same school as one of Niels's friends. I okay. was invited to one of their birthdays and... Niels played a lot of Magic the Gathering back then, and and that's mm -hmm. how few of my friends connected with him. Okay. Uh, the years went on. We met at birthdays. We played poker. We played uh, whatever at that birthday, right? And 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 at some point, then um, Niels started playing TTRPGs. Uh, mm -hmm. I was already playing at that time. My friends and I were already playing at that time, and. At some point, right, one of my friends kind of came very close to that friend group of our mutual friend that invited us to the birthdays and Niels and had mm -hmm. and had TTIPG sessions with them, I think. And then they were basically a second friend circle. And then at some point, one of my friends said, hey, D&D is currently uh, the, 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 the quick start rules are free. Yeah. Um, I will go to a gaming store and buy one of the one of the books. Bought Lost Minds of Vandalver and played one <laughs> session for, for a few friends for, for two friends and me. Next, like literally on the way home, and this friend is only 10 minutes away from me from here, right? I that walk isn't long. I made the decision <laughs> next week I'm gonna run as an adventure as well. Horde of the Dragon Queen. And and nice. then I looked for players the next day after and invited the friend that invited me to DD. We were playing at his house, so it would, would only make sense that he would play as well. His girlfriend at that time, two other friends of mine, and where well, we need a fifth player. Uh -huh. and, and, and then he was like, hey, I can invite Niels. Invited Niels. Niels played the first session with us. And then it actually, we again, stopped. But after that, Niels started DMing D&D as well. Uh -huh. And then we met at one of the other birthdays. I was wearing a critical role jacket. <laughs> it's commented on that and that that's when how we got talking and we talked like three hours D, &D and after that we more and more connected through D, &D and talked and talked we um we are also both gamers we gamed a lot and then, then met for like sea of thieves or something played a bit yeah. and at some point then in in january this year i asked him hey do you want to do a podcast with me he was instantly on board and we set to work and then February, uh, the 7th of February, we released the first episode and we're still doing it today. And it's, a, it was up until now a very fun ride and I hope it continues. <laughs> yeah. It's it. I mean, the thing that, that I certainly love about it that I think is unique. And I think you have a, a particular perspective. You're kind of up in the thin air of TTRPGs and I'll explain what I mean. You have, not only do you have very sort of specialized guests that you guys get into a lot of different discussions about things that inform you, um, but you're also experienced players and you're also very, very active in the community. So you have a perspective that, you know, I could spend all of my time in one of those areas, right? But you have more of a holistic view of the TTRPG community. So with that in mind, like for me, at any given time, I'm thinking about, you know, let's say the most uh, the most reflective thought for me. So I'll give you an example. I might be thinking about, well, I wonder what 6E is going to be like, you know, or I might be thinking about, you know, we're going to think about streaming. So is that going to, is that, how's music going to work in that? Or how, you know, these, these sort of 
broader thoughts about D&D or TTRPG. With your reference point of being up in the thin air and having all of these different um, gatherings of information and of knowledge, what is your current right now? What is the thing that you're thinking about most that intrigues you a little bit about TTRPGs, D&D, whatever? Um, that, you know, you go to bed, you think about it, you wake up, you're excited about it, that type of thing. Um, I think one of the things that intrigues me a lot since, I don't know, two years around that time when I started playing D&D is just connecting with people, but learning that there are more systems out there, right? I, mm -hmm. I, I played the Dark Eye for six years basically straight. I had a different German system, but I, I only knew the German market for TTRPGs. And then, yeah. those are the only two systems. Which one is Contact, which is a shit system, and I <laughs> ran that for six years, and I don't know why. <laughs> but but I kept going at it. But it, it's 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 one of the systems. Combat can also be way too granular, way mm. too way too crunchy. And I'm talking sci-fi combat, having a range modifier for your for every every shot you take with a weapon, and that mean and that is like. X uh, multiplied by minus 0.75%. And you, you have to do like two minutes of math for you to fire one shot and you fire 10 in a round. <laughs> the initiative in that system was so bad because everyone rolled for a certain value. Then they had a value. That value was like 30 to 70 on that scale. And and then every action takes uh, has a certain number of action points associated with it. Mm. Yeah. Now comes the fun part. You you can place, for example, a, a militia or a military robot right at the top, like seventy points. And the medic, th th that was my first introduction to that system. I was the medic. My friend was the combat robot. He had a seventy, and I had a, like a forty or something. And I was the second one on initiative. He had thirty action points to do something. Firing. An um, anti-air missile rocket takes 10 action points. He could have <laughs> obliterated my character 10 times over before I would have even been able to dodge. <laughs> who designs that? <laughs> but it, it goes into the direction and, and then learning, okay, yes, there's D&D. I knew D&D existed back then, right? Mm. I knew it was the biggest system. Never played it, played it, realized, hey, this is very fun even though it has its flaws, especially with the combat simplifying for me, which is the one big thing. But then I learned there's Pathfinder. Then I learned that there is Vampire and the whole world of darkness. Then I learned play Powered by the Apocalypse, um, Blades in the Dark, mm -hmm. and, all of, and, and then also indie systems, right? Uh, Titanomachy RPGs, Keltrop's Core is a gaming engine you can you can write your own systems for which are like only four to five pages long i mean i learned that there's like a like an ocean of ttrpgs out there that i want to try out and that, that's one of the big things that I, I i love about ttrpgs and think about all the time is the amazing systems that i get to play and try out and mm. I, I think the best thing every dungeon master or J game master because dungeon master is only dnd right is to try a different system to 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 at least read mm. a rule book right you don't even have to play it but i think for example what uh, one of the big things i learned this year is um from the witcher system 
everything mm -hmm. they have in their GM section is very interesting. Like all of this, all of these things I did before, but they finally made a little bit more sense because they explained it well. Yeah. One of the big things is don't make it weird, right? This mm. world is bloody brutal, but this doesn't mean that you as a, as a dungeon master or a game master have to have this power fantasy of you being the god of destruction and killing your players, characters and all of that stuff. Just have fun in this gr gruesome world and, and don't make it weird. Don't, don't try to, to put your players into weird positions that they don't enjoy. Right? Mm. It's, it's easy to think about this, but they put it into words and that's something okay. I really loved. And looking at different systems, what they do, how they do mm. it and, and taking from them. That's why D&D doesn't have, for example, such a fate or a hero point mechanic where you get to reroll a dice or something. I took yeah. that from the Dark Eye, where you have these fate points you can use to enhance your roll, re-roll, or do do something with your dice. There's a lot about yeah. those rules, but I just took this and, and made my own rule and mm -hmm. said, I want this for DD. I want my players to feel just that little edge of special above mm -hmm. the normal people in this world because they are special. They are my players, they are my friends, and I love them and uh, they are playing with me, right? I just want them to feel fun. Uh, they want they want them to have fun. And this adds to that, in my opinion, giving them that special bit that makes them stand out. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's such a good point. And I mean, I, I think, you know, just using that word special, when we, when we decided to um, ask you to come on our podcast, and I mentioned it in the introduction, we've just mentioned it just now as well, you're very involved in a really special community that we all feel, you know, deeply about. And it, it'd be interesting to get your perspective of what the TPRPG community, especially on Twitter, I guess, um, maybe even Discord, um, what, what, I guess how you got into it. And, you know, you're, you're certainly a prime mover in the community as far as we're concerned. What's your perspective on it? First of all, it wasn't, it, by the way, it wasn't as good of a transition as Bodhi's, but I'm trying. I'm trying. To... <laughs> it, was, it was good enough. It was, it was good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for calling me uh, a community leader or community big person. I never consider myself big, um, but that's probably also my imposter syndrome. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how I got into it, that's quite fun because this podcast wouldn't exist if it weren't for a certain video game. Mm -hmm. um, I um, was, uh, I, have a, I had a Twitter account, my personal account for like 12 years at, at this point, mm -hmm. just to follow esports, video games, music, actors, German YouTubers, every, every person that I want to have updates on right and mm -hmm. at some point i followed the game developer who's also a ttipg creator um Zion from sword and quill um mm -hmm. and what um Zion is Zion, Zion is um a video game developer and they uh developed a game called code seven with their studio mm -hmm. which is a text-based hacking adventure very mm -hmm. fun indie game and I followed them. And at some point, I think Zion retweeted a D&D podcast, Sword and Quill at that time. And I checked this out because I was randomly on Twitter and found this and, and checked this out. And I, I knew I, I watched Critical Role at that time. And I knew <laughs> that there were different, that there was like Dimension 20 and, and um, High Rollers, only the big people, though. I didn't knew that there was an indie scene in these 
actual play podcasts really yeah saw this and it was like okay this is interesting and then after that i started basically using twitter every day interacting with the ttrpg community and i realized that i became a member of that community and had like then then this was november last year like it's around one year now from 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 today and then like in December, I realized, okay, I have 100 followers. How did I do that? And, and then I realized mm. because I interacted with people, I talked to people, I, I gave my opinion on things. I was respectful. I made my own posts. And then th that snowballed. I and more and more and more. And on January 6th, I asked Niels, do you want to do a podcast with me? Because we wanted to contribute to this, to this awesome community we found. And then in February, uh, we did. And now we're here. And yeah I, I just stumbled upon um one time oh. uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i found i had one person already uh one person basically pulled me into this community without knowing and now i'm here yeah do you know what? it's it's so weird how similar our kind of intro to that is as well you know it, it's one of those things where we got roped in from i i actually watched uh, like a, an indie stream though, though they're not an indie channel they, they don't like it's not super known that they do D&D um, but the, the Corridor Digital guys used to have uh, mm -hmm. on their Node channel a D&D stream so I started watching that and then we got into Acquisitions Incorporated and from there you know like I mean watch, watching <laughs> watching any of the live Acquisition Incorporated games at PAX is, is, is enough to get anyone kicking to yeah. play some D&D and we we basically like kind of got involved and like I said you know I I picked up my my the 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 Twitter account for us and and started following some people and seeing what was going on you you uh, your guys double DM being one of those early accounts that I kind of um, started following and it was so interesting like you said it's such a lush community full of people who you know want to bring it, it's very rare you meet someone in the TTRPG community that's like I want to get from this community so much like everyone is like i'm creating because like i feel like i have something to give this community like i feel like i can i can enhance this community in some way and and do something you know for this community and it, it's really nice how much all of that has been like brought together and just brought in and it's you know though i'll say this i, I found a very toxic side of the the ttrpg community that are like the gatekeepers and typically the old school players who are a bit like you know hating on uh hating on newer people is is typically what i've found but other than that it seems to be one of the safest spaces on the internet for for people of all you know genders races nationalities religions you know everything and I think it's so rare in life, especially in, you know, 2020 when, you know, we've got so much, we're being made aware of so much injustice that is going on because we're so connected at this point. It's nice to have a space where it feels like people really care about each other. I wanted to ask, because obviously with the TTRPG community, and you said, you know, you're on Twitter, you know, interacting with people. And I know, uh, you know, of an average, you know, month or week, you're playing and running somewhere between like, you know, four, four to five games you've said in the past. Um, how do you like leg <laughs> legitimately, like le le legitimately, because I, I, you know, I have, I have my girlfriend and I have like, you know, TV shows that I want to watch and like <laughs> skateboarding that I like doing and like, and, and shit that I like doing outside of all of this. You are so active within the, the, the Twitter sphere. 
so active within things like the Unchapped, you know, Discord and places like that, and you know, Hope for TTRPG and places like that, you know. How do you balance that life stuff? Because you written, you're creating, you're playing, you're prepping, you're interacting, supporting. You're supporting. When are you breathing? Like, what, <laughs> like when do you get a chance? The, the secret to that is no sleep. <laughs> no, um, I think it's very important when you want to create, when when you want to uh, for in the TGIPG space. Mm. Like in our latest episode, one of our guests said, people can smell if you're just here to sell them stuff, right? You need to connect. Mm -hmm. You need to be an actual member of the community. And I, I think that's so true, right? I got, got into the Hope for TTRPG, TTRPG's Discord as, hey, I have a podcast in like a month or two. Mm. And I want to form connections for that. I, I didn't mm. want to form them on, on the business level. I just wanted to connect with people. Mm. That's where I met a lot of people. Maka, I know you guys. Um, I know yeah, yeah. we know each other through Maka more or less. We've, we've, we've talked mm -hmm. on our chapter together the first time. Maps and quests. Um, but generally, so many people I've met through uh, the Hope for TTRPGs Discord uh, or just generally the community aspect that this community, this the special aspect this community has of generally being friendly. Like you said, sure, there are always bad apples. Sure, there are always people that have differing opinions from us and that's fine mm. I, I have i don't have a big problem with um people uh playing the game their style it's not for mm -hmm. me i can still learn from them there are a few they are very good like i i, I there are very cool people that still play a D D second edition or something and, and the older styles that are very interesting to talk to because they have so many differing opinions from you but they're respectful yeah. about it right um kind of circling also back to kendo is kendo is one of the few martial art martial arts where you don't have any insignia of your rank right mm -hmm. this paper right behind me here mm -hmm. this is my uh, certificate that i have uh, one uh, kendo rank yeah but i don't have anything on my on my sword on my armor mm -hmm. or anywhere on my person when i'm when i'm fighting because experience yeah. doesn't matter really. The mm -hmm. only thing you're supposed to do is give your best. Be respectful yeah. of your opponent. You give your best, you fight with them, and if if you're way better than them, then you teach them, right? Yeah. If you're if you're degrading yourself and saying, Well, now I'm just gonna try something new on you, that's not gonna be fun. That's not mm -hmm. gonna be respectful and, and, and good sportsmanship in Kendo. You're supposed to, to treat everyone with the same respect. And that's and the first thing you do about that is eliminate anything that elevates that other person above you. It's why I have no problem talking to someone that has only like 20 followers. They have the same value to me that someone that has 10,000 or something. Mm, um, yeah. It doesn't it makes, matter. Yeah. Dude. I freaking love that, and that's why you—that's why you're at the, the you know you're one of the leaders in this community and, and sitting at the table. I was gonna say, sit, have a seat at the fucking table. That's exactly freaking why. Do you know what? I'll tell you what. Something that uh, and, and like just just being vulnerable and disclosing some shit. Like I definitely feel at times like uh, not imposter syndrome, but like being like, fuck, man. I hope people don't think we're here to just sell them stuff. Like something that I definitely struggle with because of just like one dyslexia and two I, I i pretty much hate social media outside of having to you know 
now that we do this in terms of content creation, social media is the platform for all of this. Um, you know, I, like I don't, I typically don't have mountains of interaction, for example, like in the unchapped, you know, discord, you know, I'm not, I, I find so much is happening and so much conversation happens in like 20 minutes. So I'll look back and be like, oh, I, uh, uh, oh okay, well, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of that boat. So I was going to say, yeah, like the, 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 the idea I had to say for a point that was made 300 messages ago um, is, is now gone. And like, I often do feel bad that, you know, like I, I, I hope that we don't come across like that. And again, it's something that I'm always striving to. Like I, I, respect Maka so much for the amount that he is available to this community like just making himself available to talk to um to interact with uh to share people's content and boost them and and to help people out like i i'm perplexed at how much time he has for uh like everyone else almost do you know what i mean and i guess it's something that i i definitely aspire to be more like that i try and get on twitter you know you know, once at least once a day, and and interact with some stuff, comment on some people's stuff, and you know, li like as many things as I can as I'm like running down my newsfeed and like stuff that I'm interested in, and and give people that support. But yeah, man, like I, I respect the the those of you within the community, like yourself, Maka. You know, Abyssal is another one. You know, Maps and Quest, people who are just constantly giving that love and support and and being available to people. I I, I can't even explain how much i respect that and okay. and and envy the ability to the drive to do that kind of thing because it's I'll, not something that i have i'd also say two things <laughs> as, as much we we appreciate it um from you know from where we sit but we also were really grateful that we have maybe not a seat at the table but a seat at one of the tables let's say yeah um and we really feel grateful for that that you know we've been in and you know sort of invited into Oh um, to participate in the community and our style and how we, you know, yeah. how we do things, whether we're doing our podcasts or NPCs or um, trying to tie in some, some MMA stuff into the conversation as well. I mean, we, we uh, feel grateful and it's, it's one of the things that, you know, this is hard. All this stuff is hard, right? Like, you know, being, and to be able to have just those moments on a, you know, a self promo Saturday where, you know, you're interacting with people and they're saying some stuff that's lovely about your stuff. And you're saying some, that those moments actually count and, uh, and they actually get you through the rest of the week sometimes. So, Oh yeah. When like I, I had, I had a moment recently where someone, uh, someone left us a beautiful comment on Reddit, basically like, Hey, I downloaded a monster that you guys released and I, I, I showed it to my players this is how they dealt with this monster. This is the like strategy they came <laughs> up with. And this is how it went down. It is now like a, a, a canon part of our world. Nice. I, I legitimately had like a little cry, like, <laughs> I, I legit, like legitimately had like a little cry and was like, I can't tell you how much that means to me that someone, someone is enjoying what we're giving to the community and that people like give a fuck about what we're doing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think yeah. it, it's one of those things that really like makes us want to continue and continue bringing to this group and continue, you know, contributing the stuff that we do. And like I said, uh, I, I think, you know, it's, it goes without saying that double DM is, is truly a staple for, for a lot of us uh, within the TTRPG community and for a lot of new DMS and, and for anyone watching this, I can recommend it enough. If you need to learn, if you want to go get like dip your toes in and understand, think about things, and then if you're a veteran DM that needs to be reminded of shit or you're still working out some stuff, 
it's also amazing and a great yeah. podcast to check out. So I, I strongly, strongly recommend that. Um, on our end, I, I just wanted to hand it over to you and say, you know, as, as we round this one out, uh, if you wanted to like plug any projects that you're working on at the moment, if you want to, you know, plug some socials, any final thoughts, shout out your grandma, I don't, I don't know, like anything that, anything that you want to, you want to instructor. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Dude, you know what? I love that you held on to that kendo uh, sword <laughs> for the entire podcast. That is awesome. <laughs> it's just been there ready. <laughs> I'm also freaking terrified as well. Like, I never want to get on your bad side. So I'm going to get a, like a little bop on my head from all over the state. One of the things we are taught, obviously, is not use the sword against someone that's not ready against you. <laughs> Normally, right? right? Not, not, do not use your skills against someone that's, that's not, that does not deserve your skills. <laughs> this this is true but uh but if i'm being an asshole to you i feel like you deserve a good bop on the head to me. <laughs> you're, you're justified with 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 the with the boop <laughs> um first of all one thing i wanted to say uh, as a final thought about social media especially is often enough people uh, you will see people like abyssal maps and quest um uh, maybe even me or any other big account tell you to post more, tell you to do this and that and, and, and be interactive and positive. Yes, all of that is true. But one thing is always don't take advice just blindly because when I started posting more, because I didn't do that at the beginning and uh, I, 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 I kind of walked into that and, and made and, and posted more and more in small steps. Mm -hmm. If you feel overworked with social media, please, please stop. Please don't try to overwork yourself with this because it would be way worse if you overwork yourself for social media and your project has to suffer for that because your project is what you should focus on. Um, Dude, not just your project, like other parts yeah. of your life. You oh, know. 100%, right? Sleep, yeah. eat, take time for, for sports, recreational activities with friends, anything do don't try to make this too big of your life mm. yeah, schedule, when, when you have the time schedule content make the con mm. make the posts like all on monday when you have the time for an hour and then don't care about it for the rest of the week and, and instead of just popping in and being positive right mm. try to always come in with positive right nobody wants uh, social media is a negative place that's a lot of mm. what people say right and that's true because a lot of people amplify that negativity. Don't try to be that amplifier. Just, just bring positivity back. Um, interact with people, like you said, whenever you have the time. Don't don't force yourself to do it. Like, right, I do a lot, but that's only because I have the luxury of working from home. Even mm. without a pandemic going on, I had the luxury of that. So that's easy for me, but other people don't. So don't try to force yourself into that. Um, as, you know what? Yeah. But quick, quickly, that was that was said said masterfully. As as someone who as someone who sits as a representative of the TTRPG community, look at that. Just beautiful advice. Look at like like balanced advice. Going, you know, the great way to do it. Lots of interaction. However, everything in moderation. And that's Emil. Why you are who you <laughs> are. That's why that's why you kick ass. Well, I mean, just to build on that, like you could be wild. Like you could spend all your time on you know on Twitter and build an audience and all this other stuff. If the rest of your life is shit because of that, it's not worth it. It's not <laughs> no, fucking it worth it. Yeah. 
you know, so you gotta, you, you know, you bring that success into like a very well-rounded life of friends and family and like uh, other activities and hobbies and other life experiences. So I, thank you so much for saying that because it is super, super important yeah. um, for those of us that are in the space. We can all be the David Goggins every now and then and, and you know, go 100% and, you know, be the, be that demon is it david goggins yeah, yeah, david, yeah, david, yeah, yeah. yeah. he does the, uh, the as, as you say he's the extreme marathon. yeah as you say he's the he's the crazy dude he's like if you're not working you're not exactly yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah you know like we don't all have to be that but we can be that sometimes but it's about finding the rhythm find the beat sorry back over to you for for, yeah. for shouting any projects out or anything that, that you're that you got out social medias that kind of shit um well i'm from the double dm podcast as we already talked about um people can find us on social media at double dm pod uh, you can find all our podcast feed on any podcasting platform under just double DM. I am also part of a project called Why Your World Matters, which is a world building panel where creators with different voices and different backgrounds try to just come together and talk about world building because we believe world building is something everyone can do and no one does it wrong as long as they're having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And Especially for TTRPGs, there come a lot more aspects into that, but that's something uh, a little bit too much to discuss for this end of this episode, obviously. Um, yeah, um, I want to shout out my grandma, who broke her arm yesterday, yesterday but is fine, at least. Um, oh, shit. Holy yeah. fuck. Holy shit. Is <laughs> Grandma, gra grandma, you need to stop riding BMX bikes. We told you, grandma. Grandma. <laughs> It's Look, time to put the bike away. Put your kendo sword down for six weeks and allow your arm to heal up, Grandma. Don't worry. Emil will be there for you to teach him the next lesson. I was just saying, Grandma, Emil is ready to spar with you, but you need a bit of healing time right now. Take your long rest. No, really. She's she's fine. My grandma's great. Um, sure was a shock to her, her, her hear that she broke her arm, but she's fine. She's doing good. She's not just having fun playing cards with her husband or something. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say one one handed playing cards. <laughs> Incredible. Hey, this has been such an honor to talk to you. Like I said, uh, I've been really excited to to kind of get into some of this with you and understand, you know, a bit more of your perspective. And uh, obviously, we'd love to have you back on uh, in the future um, uh, to 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 do so. Um, but yeah. Thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Uh, we've been Homie and the Dude. We're the father and son, TTRPG, MMA podcasting team, and destination where you can get NPCs, magic items, monsters, all that kind of stuff um, with incredible new uh, unique features and abilities and incredible art that you should probably <laughs> use for tokens and shit. I don't know, like <laughs> st stuff like that. Um, but otherwise, guys, thank you for, for checking out Homie and the Dude and this awesome podcast. It's been such a pleasure uh, today. And uh, we'll catch you in the next one. Catch you in the next one. Thanks, Emil. Thanks, Emil. Thank All you. Right. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for watching Homie and the Dude today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please hit us with the Holy Trinity. Go follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and like the Facebook. It's the best way that you can help us out at the moment. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for watching, guys.